We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my fellow football priest and co-host. You know him. You love him. Zach Kelberman. Zach, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what... um, Justin Simmons said, kind of breaking his silence on the whole Vance Joseph return thing. But first, before we get to that, I wanted to pick your brain on what Alex Forsythe, Denver Broncos, seventh round center, we'll just say seventh round interior offensive lineman. You had a story on him today. What was it about? Uh, He was asked, uh, you did a good job transcribing the quotes, I might add, Chad. He was asked uh, after the rookie minicamp about um, being – a seventh round pick and he was drafted 257 overall. And that was two spots behind Mr. Irrelevant. And this is a guy in Forsyth who had some had him as a fourth round talent, fifth round, even Sean Payton, or I think it was Sean Payton admitted that they had him as a sixth round pick in their mock simulations. He fell all the way to the end of day three. And he said pretty bluntly, I knew it was out of my control. It was going to be what it was going to be. A lot of guys going before me, just put a chip on my shoulder but I'm in the right place, and I'm really excited to be here. I couldn't be more excited. So pretty standard uh, stuff from a guy who feels like he was slighted by 31 other teams, but based on my research into him, the tape that you watch, and just his overall character and body of work, I think they got a steal in Forsyth, who will push eventually for that starting role. I mean, look, the Denver Broncos, well, they might have they had a hunch here on what I'm about to say, but I would I would hazard Zach that most fans when the Broncos drafted Matt Paradis in the sixth round back in 2014 they weren't expecting him to within a year and a half's time you know go on to produce like Pro Bowl level play uh, at center but that's what he did and that's not to say that Alex Forsyth um, you know is that kind of a guy but I mean heck what was uh, Tommy Nalen even drafted he was he was drafted like late dude I got to Google this now because I always get him confused real quick i gotta i gotta answer this Tom, was it before let's see uh you were i think you're right hold on no come on stand by stand by uh seventh round pick as well pick uh pick 218 zach back in 1994 draft so 
Hey, you never know. That's no guarantee. Obviously it's like a quarterback getting drafted in the sixth round. Doesn't mean they're going right. to be the next Tom Brady, but Forsyth is a guy who did tumble. Um, he was expected to go a little bit earlier in the draft. Not like, you know, Hey, this is a first, second round pick guy that fell to the seventh, but he was expected to be by a lot of drafting exactly like a fifth round pick, you know, something like that. And that's where a lot of today's starting uh, offensive linemen, that's about the spot in the draft that a lot of them are found. And listen, like I wrote, if anything, he's serviceable. Uh, he's a very intelligent, technically sound player, not the most explosive or powerful, but he has versatility. He can play center. He can play guard. He was even playing right tackle in college as well. And to get a guy at a position of need that can enter the fray and enter the competition, I really do think they got a value. And that's been the theme, I think, so far, the early takeaway of this draft class. You got Drew Sanders a lot early, later than you expected him to be getting him. Same thing for J.L. Skinner. Same thing for Alex Forsyth. I'll say it again. When it's all said and done a couple years from now, we're going to look back on this Peyton draft hall as one that's an A grade, a solid A. David McElrath, a.k.a. the Papa Bear. Look, we're twinners today, David. You and I with our Buckham t-shirts, bro. Great to see you. Thanks for jumping into the chat and making us feel welcome right away with a super chat before we even went live. You are a prince. He says, good evening to everybody. MHH for life. Buckham, Denver Broncos for life. Love it, dude. Great to see you uh, tonight, David. And uh, shout out Kevin Gray jumping in early. First, first uh, actual comment in the chat tonight. Mike Ronquillo jumping in early, throwing down his support. Love seeing you, as always, big dog. And we're twinners, too. Look at us. We're the three amigos. Uh, you, me, David. All right, let's go fight some crime, you know. Uh, great to see you, Mike. Um, and then also, check it out. Zach, it's been a minute since we've seen David Kilgore, who's yes, still has. rocking a vintage, a vintage, a classic YouTube profile pic. He's got the Huddle Up Podcast Football Priest hat, which is vintage, dude. That's 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 going to be a nice little, uh, uh, what, what would you call it? A nice little collectible. There you go. Memento. Check it out. Yep. And then, of course, the uh, face mask. Remember that summer when we didn't even know if there was going to be an NFL season, dude? That's what it reminds me of when I see the MHH neck gator slash face mask. But, David, great to see you, bro. So generous. Thank you. He says, do you think there could be a chance of trading for Trey Lance, Zach, from the Niners? Could be our future. I'm not sure exactly, David, where this is coming from, but uh, what's your answer for him, Zach? Well, I certainly remember the summer when we had to wear those neck gaiters, and I don't miss those times, but that's a whole other story. I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I realized because he was an intriguing prospect coming out. I was a big Trey Lance fan from what he did in college. I thought he would be a superstar with the Niners, but be realistic. You paid Russell Wilson a boatload of money. You paid Jared Stidham a two-year deal, $10 bucks. You have Jared Guarantano. You picked up Ben DiNucci. There's no room or need on this squad for Trey Lance, who has – Zero body of work. I think he started one game and then he broke his leg in that one game. So intriguing on paper, but not some someone the Broncos want to give up resources for to gamble on. Honestly, I think uh, even if it were a more plausible scenario right now, I think the Broncos are cool trying to see what they can, uh, you know, get a return on Russ with Sean Payton, like Dick Vermeil said. And I don't know if you saw this, David, but. Dick Vermeil, Hall of Fame head coach, said that uh, when it comes to uh, turning the ship around with Russ, you know, finding the right coach, he said that if Sean Payton can't do it, if Sean Payton can't resurrect Russ, then it, quote, 
can't be done. So uh, I think they're hedging on that. Troy, bro, great to see you tonight. Seriously, been so consistent lately with the Super Chats. Much love and respect, big dog. He says, hey, guys, which free agent defensive lineman and what free agent edge would you add if you could? Uh, Scott, I'm going to go ahead and roll the dice on this. I'm going to try bringing up a list, okay, and see if we can do some scratch and sniff. And, uh, Zach, I don't know if you have any thoughts off the top of your head here, but I'm going to yeah. pull up a uh, spot rack. One guy who's, I believe Frank Clark is still out there. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, he's been a productive pass rusher. Justin Houston is still unsigned as far as I know. And I know for a fact, Yannick Ngakwe, uh, formerly of the Jaguars and the Colts, is working out, looking for a free agent deal. He's been a very productive pass rusher, a little hot and cold, but you're not necessarily leaning on him to be a starter and seeing a full complement of snaps. He'd be like a situational pass rusher, DPR, whatever you want to call him. That's one name that jumps out. Defensive line, I'd have to look at the uh, the list of free agents, but Shelby Harris still toiling away on the open market. He is, he is. Okay, so here we go. Let me Let me try and blow this up a little bit here. Uh, stand by, stand by. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, uh, let me get rid of this ad. Okay, one more. Let's try one more. Two more. There we go. Perfect. All right, so here's free agent defensive tackles, as you mentioned, Zach. Shelby Harris. Uh, there's Michael Brocker still available. Chris Wormley and Dominican Sue. Linval Joseph, Justin Ellis, Carl Davis, Maurice Hurst. Uh, I'm just kind of going off the top names here. I mean, honestly, of the guys that are available, and Dominican Sue. He's a he's reached you know mercenary level in his career. Like he'll pick the a team that's willing to maybe overpay slightly for he's the missing piece for our Super Bowl defense. Like he's that guy now, um, maybe. But I like I like Harris, uh, still thirty one. But I'm not gonna lie, Zach. I didn't spend a lot of time watching how he fared last year in Seattle. I don't know if you did, but if it's a if it's a Shelby Harris still comparable to the end of the 2021 season. 
uh, caliber Shelby Harris, then he's a guy, hey, knows, uh, was he here? He was brought in. He was here when Vance was here, right? 2017. Uh, yeah, so I like Shelby Harris as defensive tackle, but do any of those other names jump out to you, Zach, and we can look at Edge? I don't know too much about what Shelby did in Seattle. It can't be that much if they decided to move on from him after acquiring him in a trade. Um, he's a guy like Cortland Sutton, I feel like, got a big contract and kind of took his foot off the gas pedal. So it is what it is. Michael Brockers, though, I know he has the name value, uh, but he was productive at least as a run stuffer. He can get after the quarterback as well. But again, as a depth piece or as a backup rotational player, whatever, Brockers, Harris, and even, I guess, if you can get his temper under control, Nadamik and Sue would make for good um, add-ons. All right, let's take, uh, let's take a look here at Edge. Uh, do, 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 do. Update, baby. Update that bad boy. All right, so you're right about Frank Clark. So Leonard Floyd, here's the names for those listening. Still available, uh, rush linebackers. Leonard Floyd, Frank Clark. They got J.J. Watt categorized as an edge guy, but whatever. Robert Quinn, more of a hand-in-the-dirt guy. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe, as Zach mentioned earlier. Jadeveon Clowney, another kind of mercenary class player that still has value. Don't get me wrong, there's still a lot of value. I mean, Dwight Freeney played that uh, mercenary role the last two, three years of his career, dude. And, you know, you'd, you'd throw a few million bucks at him, you'd get eight, nine, ten sacks. And I'm not necessarily saying Clowney's on that level, but maybe i mean they even have akeem hicks listed here this, this is more of a three four defensive end um marcus golden zach former vance joseph acolyte from arizona melvin ingram right there screams out to me even at Ooh. 34 he's productive melvin ingram interesting justin houston which gotta remind everybody he had nine sacks last year dude so there are some names and honestly zach of the of the you know we like to call it the evan mathis fund whatever the Broncos have, I'll double check it here in a second. But if they, if there's really something screaming that they need to add right now, to me, it's a one more proven rush linebacker and one swing tackle, you know, but I think at this stage, they're going to let the chips fall and see what it looks like. And then maybe re-examine that question in training camp. Yeah. A lot of Broncos country wanted or wants Matt Ioannidis as well. I don't know why they have him as defensive end. He's more of a tackle, but a very injury prone player. I don't know what you'd be getting out of him if you do sign him, but there is some names out there. JJ Watts obviously retired. I'd be so happy with Frank Clark. I would take in Gakwe. I would take Melvin Ingram. And then I don't believe it would require more than a one year, a little more than, I don't know that veteran minimum, but it wouldn't be a major financial commitment. Not a lot of guaranteed money, a prove it deal for one of these guys, a veteran that can come in and get five, six, seven, eight sacks. Okay. So I'm going to do one of these. I'll do one of these real quick. I'm going to drop it in here. Boom. Get rid of this tab. So here's your Denver Broncos uh, salary cap situation currently. If you can see up here, this is per over the cap. Uh, the Broncos have $8.9 in cap space. So that's more than enough to actually take care of the business I'm talking about, Zach, with the go find an edge rusher, go find a swing guy, because you can structure those in any way that you really want. Um, play a little salary cap voodoo and, and get things done. So um, there you have it. There's there's an answer to your question, Big Dog. Thank you for the super chat. Um, Miguel, what's going on, Big Dog? Great to see you. Still uh, looking dope in that uh, Justin Simmons salute to service. Um, 
jersey that you won. Fair and square. Great to see you, bro. Divine Breaks. Great to see you as well. Thank you for being with us. Appreciate the support, helping us keep these lights on. He says, uh, from what I am gathering this draft class and what Sean Payton wants, versatile, intelligent, and mature athletes, and I'm all for it. Yeah, it really seems that way, Zach. Um, special emphasis on versatile and mature because I think, too, you know, intelligent, obviously, but uh, you got to be, I think, smart to also be versatile. Yeah, I mentioned uh, Alex Forsyth as someone who has versatility and who's intelligent. Drew Sanders, for example, can play inside or outside. JL, or excuse me, Riley Moss can play either defensive back, either cornerback or safety. Um, you've, there's a lot of Forsyth can play tackle, guard, or center. A lot of versatility, a lot of intelligent athletes, like you mentioned, divine breaks, and also durable. I've talked about this before, but Sean Payton likes guys, obviously, who are available, who can help the team out and can show up every Sunday and do their job. Very Bill Belichickian in that sense. And I am all for it as well. It's a major deviation from Nathaniel Hackett. Well said. Um, I'm impressed. If you guys haven't watched, uh, you can go to denverbroncos.com. Scott, I'm not sure if we put any uh, Marvin Mims clips up on YouTube of him talking at his locker, but uh, check, check our YouTube. And if not go to denverbroncos.com, click on videos and go find the, the clip of Broncos second round wide receiver, Marvin Mims talking smart kid. We already know how much of a stud he is on the, on the grass. Very smart kid looking forward to seeing what he can do. But Zach, let me, uh, let me segue a little bit here. I want to get your take on this because you uh, did not love Vance Joseph coming back. A lot of people didn't necessarily love him coming back, even as a coordinator. Um, there were other options out there that, you know, like even speaking for myself, I never hated the Vance Joseph thing coming back as a defensive coordinator. If I had a bone to pick with it, it was, well, there were some other really intriguing options out there that right. you're not rehashing old history, you know, et cetera. But still, now that he's here, I don't hate it. But we're hearing Justin Simmons uh, kind of break his silence on the VJ thing. And, um, uh, let me read to you what he said. This is uh, from Parker Gabriel uh, of the Denver Post. Now, uh, Simmons was out over the weekend at the third annual March for Peace at the Boys and Girls Club up in Montebello, and he told uh, Parker Gabriel this, quote, I love VJ. Love him. Obviously, it was unfortunate the way the stint turned out when he was here as the head coach. I've always loved him, especially as a person. He's player-driven. He'll do anything for the guys on the team. Right now, it's been cool for me seeing, I feel like, a different version of him. When you're the head coach, you've got so much more on your plate and you can't be around as much. And then he goes on to say, for the past few weeks, to be around him as the defensive coordinator, you can tell how much it means to him and how much he loves the players. It's been cool to reconnect. Close quote. So, Zach, maybe nothing earth-shattering, but as one of the few players still on the roster who had experience playing for Vance Joseph when he was the head coach, very interesting to hear what his kind of take on this is. It's time for everyone's favorite game show. What else is he going to say? <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I mean, I know it's my standard response, but Simmons is very pro team, pro coach, and he's going to say the right things always. Um, listen, I'm, I wasn't a fan of the VJ move. I wasn't a fan of him as head coach. Nothing personal. I'd love to grab a beer with VJ or do whatever he and Johnny Bolin did in the back of that car that night, you know, whatever, whatever things they ingested, whatever. 
I just worry about his scheme and his adaptability with certain players on this defense. I watch what he did in Arizona. I like his aggressiveness, Chad, but I just wonder if he's going to be too stubborn, kind of like Vic Fangio in that sense, not really listening or being in tune with what the players need to do in order to succeed to get the most out of his players. I understand they use two high round picks on two pivotal front seven guys, Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins. They didn't maximize that talent under VJ. I just hope and pray Round two is a different result. Amen. I agree 100% and, and hoping that it's different this time. You know, Gary Palmer, the GLP, the swashbuckler himself. Great to see you, big dog. He's saying, hey, Chad, Zach, and Scott, thanks for the pod on a slow time in the NFL. Go Broncos, Buckham, MHH for life. Thank you, big dog. Really, we appreciate you. Uh, you keep showing up. We'll keep showing up. Trust. Uh, Zach, one other thing that uh, – one other thing that I thought it was worth mentioning. Oh, what's playing? Something's playing. I'm hearing. I'm hearing noise. What am I hearing? Hold on one second. Is it my phone playing something? All right. Let me go back here. Um, he had, he said did Simmons one other noteworthy thing, and it was not on the VJ topic, but rather hearing him talk about Sean Payton. Let me just read this to you real quick. I want your reaction on his initial impressions, of course, of his new head coach. Quote: Justin Simmons said. Sean's been great. Honestly, for him, he's been there and done it, and he's very confident in what he can do and how he's done it in the past. So when you have that type of confidence and you can tell that uh, tell that what you do works, people just follow that lead. There hasn't been that much that we've done yet. We're getting ready to start practice and all that good stuff, but I'm just excited for the season. I'm excited to get the ball rolling. I'm excited to win, closed quote. So it's that quiet confidence, maybe not so quiet in Sean Payton's case, but just that the way it translates to the players, Zach, is that it's almost a comfort, you know, confidence. There's a comfort in it that, okay, this is a guy who, when he says, follow me, I know where, how to lead uh, to the promised land. He's been there before. They're like, exactly. okay, we, we trust that we can fall in line with this guy. That's exactly what I was going to say. If it's someone like Nathaniel Hackett or a first time coach, if, it's one thing for them to bark orders and make players do certain things. But if you have already been there, if you're established, if you're one of the greatest coaches of this generation, like Sean Payton, you don't have to be loud. You don't have to be boisterous. You can lean on your laurels and the guys in the locker room know under this tutelage, I will be successful. The team will be successful. There's no lingering questions about can he do it? Will he do it? Sean Payton has done it and done it at a high level for a very long time. That's why he can be himself. That's why he can have a sense of humor and pick on the Ben DiNucci's of the world with the Walmart jokes because the guys know this is going to be a successful operation with him at the helm. Indeed. All right. I want to shift gears and come back to uh, the topic of uh, – Denzel Mims or Denzel Mims. I keep doing that, dude. That's like the second time in the last three pods. I, I thinking of Marvin and I want to say Denzel, uh, Phil, bro. Thank you. Appreciate you so much down in Tucson proving Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being baby. He's saying good evening, Chad, Zach and Deacon Scott. I was watching highlights of Adkins and he reminds me of Andrew Beck could be used as a hybrid fullback. What are your opinions? Hashtag Buckham hashtag. MHH for life. Love that, dude. Zach, what's your answer for him? Um, I don't know. I don't know who's Adkins. I, He's I'm... talking about Nate Adkins. He's a he's undrafted rookie. Uh, where is he from? South Carolina. South Carolina. So 
a, a lot of these South Carolina or pardon me, a lot of these undrafted guys, you got to have taken the time to go and, you know, watch some film on them and whatnot. And I'm with you on this, Zach. I haven't spent enough time to, to really speak on him with confidence. So Phil, you officially know more about him than we do. Well, I'll also say that they signed a fullback in Michael Burton. They have a couple big, three big power backs already in Javante, Samaje, and Tony Jones. And if you want another one, Jock Patrick can also be that fullback, halfback hybrid because he's built like a brick you-know-what. So I guess it's one player in that running back room to keep an eye on, but I'm not keeping that stock too high. And it does look like you know they have him listed as a tight end currently on the official roster. But he's wearing a jersey number, Zach, 45. So to me, it seems like they are looking at him as potentially like a fallback option. You know, maybe let's see if he impresses us this summer. And if he does, we'll keep him around on the practice squad in the event that because, you know, Michael Burton, the fullback they they signed uh, from the Kansas City Chiefs, he's only here on a one year deal. So this is kind of like a little bit of a hedge, I think, Zach. If you wanted Andrew Beck, you could have kept Andrew Beck. You know, I think there's a reason why the original one's no longer around. I don't know, man. I feel like the tight end room is, is or the fullback room for that matter, is pretty much entrenched right now. I, I Maybe it's my bias, but I wouldn't give Atkins too much of a chance. Maybe the practice squad. It would be so dope if the Nuggets take care of business in advance. I would love to see it. I would love to see it. So, yeah, Lawrence, we're filling you on uh, – sending out some good vibes for him. But let's check this out, guys. You've heard us talking about uh, – let me blow this up a little bit. Marvin Mims. I almost just did it again. Um, Marvin Mims. Okay, one more. There we go. Here's just a couple snippets of him talking uh, at his locker following rookie minicamp practice last Saturday. Not just barely Saturday, so, you know, a weekend ago. But just check him out for a second if you haven't seen this yet. Just for, we'll, we'll play like – uh, 30 seconds yeah um it's a dream come true honestly i mean ever since i was a little kid just looking up watching on tv and just to be here it feels surreal but um you know it's here so just time to take care of business you know do what i can yeah for sure uh it's different uh, i didn't really get to the playbook until i got here for camp but um you know just learning it i mean that's probably the biggest difference you know different words different verbiage is probably the biggest thing for sure um different verbiage and they want you to use it you know reasonably and, um, you know, just getting used to it, like calling in the huddle, all that stuff, it's been different. But I've been able to catch on pretty fast. Yeah, um, it's been kind of like – it's been weird. I, I'd say it didn't really sit in until I got here. Actually, just like start feeling it. You know, start, okay, hold on. I see you start feeling real. But, um, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, that's a matchup. This is the Riley Moss comment. This is worth watching. Hang tight. I've been looking forward to since I got to camp. Uh, you know, that's probably one of the first guys I talked to when I got here. Riley, great dude. Um, obviously, you know, love him. And we've known each other for two days, which is a great guy. Easy to have conversations with and out there. I mean, he's going to make sure you film on the field. I mean, even in walkthrough, he's coming up and tapping me, all that stuff. So it's yeah. great to have him out there. Oh, yeah. I can't talk any trash <laughs> on the way that game went. But, um, <laughs> you know, Drew is an unreal athlete. I mean, he's been – he's looked like that since senior year in high school. I mean, dude's – Unbelievable, but um, just to come here, I mean, such a small world. Both of us getting drafted here, I mean, it's it's. Weird. All right. So anyway, that just uh, goes. It just shows you he's he's great kid, and uh, you know, called Drew Sanders also unbelievable, uh, unreal. Riley Moss, if you watch any of his stuff, his his locker room, you know, interview stuff, I like it. He's got this kind of like mischievous glint to his eye at all times. And it's almost kind of like wild-eyed, not quite wild-eyed, but like on the verge of like, 
you know, when you get the crazy eyes and the guys are like mad dogging you, it's like that. So I can imagine he's a pretty intense cat out on the grass. Marvin Mims, man, is so well-spoken, so articulate, such an intelligent individual. What he reminds me there a lot of is Larry Fitzgerald. And if he can have half of the career like Fitz had, uh, the Broncos will be very, very happy. And it's just nice to see the team coming together, the rookies all bonding together. Uh, Marvin Mims, though, another guy I forgot to mention earlier, versatile, can play obviously receiver, and he's going to be the kick returner and punt returner. So, again, when it's all said and done, Sean Payton and George Payton got their guys, and they have one thing in common. You mentioned two U words, but the V word, versatility, is a big one too. No doubt. Um I'm seeing here a legendary figure in our midst, none other than Mount Rushmore, member of our community. Najal Top, what's going on, big dog? Thank you for the super. Thanks for being with us tonight. He says, hey, brothers, is the plan to start Caden Stearns opposite of Justin Simmons? Stearns makes plays when in, but I'm not sure if that's the plan or JL Skinner opposite Simmons. What do you bros think? This is something we were kind of – you know, hazarding around last night, we were trying to sketch it out because we were talking about Kareem Jackson saying that, you know, the final, the catalyst to him coming back was he went and had a face-to-face with Sean Payton and Sean Payton basically laid out what his vision would be if he returned, what his role with the team was. Now, unfortunately in that Up and Adams uh, podcast, Kay Adams did not ask the follow-up question that I'm aware anyway, which is, and what is that role? You know, what is that vision specifically, Kareem? Um, but it sounded like interpreting context from other things he had said prior in that interview, Zach, that he's at a point in his career where he's at least open to the idea of being a depth guy, you know, being a uh, a backup, basically. So that's a long-winded way of saying that I don't know exactly what the Broncos are planning for Simmons, you know, starting partner at safety. If I had to put money on it today, I would guess it's Kareem Jackson starting next to him day one uh, to open the 2023 season. But if it's not him, it's Stearns. So the only thing that could maybe get in the way of that, Zach, is Stearns' recovery from what was a pretty sketchy uh, hip injury. Well, I think the market speaks for itself with KJ. He's been on one-year deals the last like three or four seasons. He's getting up there in age, and uh, he's declined really badly athletically and in coverage. I think he sees the writing on the wall and he's just grateful to have a job under Sean Payton. I'm going to take Mike list for what he said though. And when they resigned KJ, he said with the understanding that if Stearns, if healthy, if healthy, that's the caveat there will likely be the starter. It has to be the case, man. You've given it a run with Kareem Jackson as Simmons's partner in crime for a long time now. You're not really getting it done in the back end. You need someone a little better against the pass. And I know it's a small sample size, but Stearns is so much better, obviously, in pass coverage than KJ. If KJ wants to be like a coach on the field, a locker room glue guy, a backup, insurance, whatever, I am perfectly fine with that. But as a starter, that's a hard no for me. It's Caden Stearns, if healthy, all the way. And one thing I, I really like that's a departure, you know, differentiates Stearns and Jackson is Stearns just has a knack for the ball, dude. He's, you know, maybe the exposure or the sample size is too small at this stage, Zach, to really call him a ball hawk. But he's got a knack and a nose for the ball. And that production, based on what we've seen so far as a young pro, follow sam bam what's up brother thank you for the super chat so good to see you again tonight he says hello chad and zach who's looking to be the front runner at kick and punt returner 
Montreal, Washington for both go Broncos. Well, um, you got to throw in a few other names though. And he says, well, you answered my question, Zach, you got to throw in a few other names. So you got Montreal, Washington, you got Mims who we know the Broncos from what they've said, love his returner. In fact, it seemed to me that that just the way they talked about him. I mean, I don't know this is for a fact, but the way they talked about him post draft that, it probably it was like 50% of the equation of why they coveted Marvin Mims was what he can do as a returner. But then also, uh, what's his name? Smith. Uh, Tremont Smith. Tremont Smith. So I don't know that we have a, a definitive answer quite yet, but something tells me, Zach, that Mims is going to be given the, the first right of refusal, so to speak. He'll have to earn it. He'll have to justify it. But I think that's how the Broncos are thinking. Yeah, absolutely. You got to take advantage of his game-breaking ability, his speed, his explosiveness, all of that. You do worry about putting too much of a load on him or risking him to injury, but that comes with the territory. Montreal, if he sticks around, you got to get the ball in his hands as well. I think they'll try some things out on punt returns or kick returns because he's a speed demon, and I also wouldn't write off. This is a big if. If he makes the team and if he's healthy, if only to utilize his speed, what about K.J. Hamler back there on a few runbacks? Maybe he can get something going. But I see Scott shaking his head. I don't see it as a possibility either. I think Marvin Mims is going to be the lead dog in that battle. But my ultimate takeaway here, what, what brings me the most calm for once, since Joe D. Camillus, in fact, the special teams coordinator will have final say on the kick and punt returners, and I trust that special teams coordinator. Mike uh, Westoff and Ben Kotwika, the new duo in charge, they will have the right guy out there. Is that the official pronunciation, Kotwika? I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a different name. Uh, so I'm glad to know that. Uh, and by the way, guys, just seeing some of the, the chat with Naj and, and Sam Bam here, I'm not necessarily uh, – it's not a bold prediction per se that I think Kareem Jackson starts at strong safety, but that's my leader in the clubhouse just by virtue of his veteran standing in the locker room. But – it would not shock me in any way to see Stearns step up and win that job. I don't think JL Skinner is going to have enough runway between now and when things get real to dethrone. Like if things, let's say, for example, Zach, what's up, Albert, the Mile High Dutchie? Love you, big dog. If if things uh, don't go as planned with Stearns' recovery and he's delayed a little bit, has to start on the pup or anything like that, I don't think there's enough runway for JL Skinner to prove to coaches in such a short order uh, I'm a better option to start next to Justin Simmons. So it's really a two-dog race, in my opinion. Even though you've got P.J. Locke, you've got uh, Isang Bassey, you've got, uh, what's the kid from last year? D uh, Dur Turner, Yell. Turner Yell, Deller and Turner Yell. So there are some other factors, and you never know when a switch gets flipped in a young player and when they turn that corner and just separate. It can happen. You know, We, we can't sleep on that as a possibility. But um, Jackson, real quick, Zach, I want to grab this from uh, – from Nick Hale. Good to see you, big dog. Appreciate you. What you rocking there, dude? That looks like a fender. That looks like a from the small picture. What is that? A, oh, no, no, wait. Well, yeah, light neck. It looks like a maple neck, So, I'm, but it kind of also looks like an SG. What is it, Nick? You've got me intrigued, dude. It's too small to make out perfectly. He says, good evening, Priest. I listened to your last pod, and you guys were talking about rookie hazing. I'm totally against it because all I want is unity, togetherness, family, one purpose, and that is to win. How do we build this togetherness and oneness? It seems so foreign these past few years. We need it like H2O. What do you think, Zach? Uh, yeah, uh, 
on a macro level, you build that togetherness and the oneness by winning. That's the ultimate thing. That's the easiest way to build team chemistry and to make everything go smoothly is to win games. But on a micro level, we mentioned it earlier a few minutes ago, having a coach like Sean Payton, not a first-timer like VJ or Vic or Nathaniel Hackett, having someone in there who's been around the block many times, won a Super Bowl, has had many winning seasons, is an offensive, I think, guru. Just having him there, bringing that stability, that will trickle on down. The problem is when you don't have that stability on top, the players are forced to be that foundation. And the players should never be the foundation. They should rest on the foundation of the coaching staff. So let it all come together. Let it marinate. But once they get off to 1-0, 2-0, 3-0 perhaps, then you will see that unity really start to take hold. You're muted. Thank you. I said I couldn't have said it better. I'm not against some light stuff like light hazing, uh, carrying the pads, stuff like that. I'm not against it. But I think Sean uh, Sean Payton is uh, not going to allow anything that might in any way, shape, or form interrupt. Like like Nick was talking about, like you're talking about, you know, being oriented towards unity and turning the ship around and let's start winning ball games again. By the way, Nick says Fender Strat. Very cool, dude. I tr- Look, I've tried Fenders. I'm just not a Fender guy. I'm a Gibson guy. I don't like the maple neck on guitars. I don't like that longer scale, but I've tried them. I bought one or two, and they just don't stick. I don't bond with them. Uh, all right, Zach, we are at 34 minutes, 35 minutes, so we'll probably keep it relatively brief tonight. Any burning topics that are on your mind, guys, get them in the chat. Uh, we'll, we still have a few more minutes till we dip on out of here, but um, – but yeah, and this is something I just want to grab from Michael. He's saying, look, when we talk about a deviation from Hackett's coaching, everything should be a de- deviation from Nathaniel Hackett. And I think that's uh, what you're fixing to get, in all honesty. Like Nathaniel Hackett, the <laughs> the goofy, uh, I mean, what's the first thing he said when when Russell, for the Russell Wilson press conference, stands up there, Russell Wilson, holy, you know, SHI, et cetera, et cetera. It's just like, man, act like you've been there before, big dog. I get it. It's like you want to, you know, be uh, on your level and be cool and and then try to be genuine because that's probably just who he is, what he is. But at the same time, that looking back on it in hindsight was yet another like warning sign, Zach, like another harbinger of what was to come or another um, omen that this was a guy drastically, wildly in over his head, which is why when people start talking about, and I, I get it, there's a big difference. I mean, even Justin Simmons was talking about the difference between being a head coach and being a coordinator. So there's a big difference between him being an offensive coordinator now again in New York and being a head coach with regard to his scope of focus and all that and responsibilities. But that's why when people start talking about the Jets being a juggernaut this year with now that Aaron Rodgers is there, I'm going to believe it or see it holding pattern with regard to that just because – Nathaniel Hackett, to me, I mean, let's face it, one of two coaches in the Super Bowl era to be fired before his first year is even in the books. So he is like literally a world-class failure relative to NFL coaching. You ever like look at a picture from years ago, you in high school or college, and you cringe so hard looking at that? But at the time of that picture, he thought you were the coolest guy in the world. 
that's kind of how I view Nathaniel Hackett now. Then he brought that comment up at the time. I thought it was so awesome that the Broncos coach was like gushing openly about the new quarterback coming in, but he was like a fan, like a 13 year old kid playing Madden who somehow got a head coaching job. And you don't have that issue anymore. You have an adult in the building in terms of deviation. Sean Payton said it himself. He was asked about, you know, nine on sevens and seven on sevens. He goes, yeah, they didn't do that last year. It's not how we did things in New Orleans. We're going to correct that. Playing starters in the preseason, phase one of the offseason program, he pretty much took shot after shot after shot subtly at Hackett's practices, and he he's going to do everything different. He did. Uh, real quick, shifting gears, Michaela Israel, give our best to the little man, to Cooper. She's saying, and I agree with this sentiment wholeheartedly, she says, oh, yes, I'm pumped about the Nuggets game, right? I have about as much disdain for the Lakers as I do the Raiders. Nothing would taste sweeter than a sweep. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I absolutely loathe the Lakers. I cannot stand them. That's a good uh, a good comparison in uh, a, a mixed sports comparison, so to speak. Uh, David Hicks, really appreciate the kind words on Facebook, my friend. means a lot to us. Uh, Big Earn, by the way, wanted to give a shout-out, seeing Big Earn in the chat. Great to have you, big dog. Um, Eddie, this is an interesting topic. He says, Stearns is going to have to improve tremendously in tackling because his tackling is terrible. Get excited to see him make a pass breakup. Then what the frick when he uh, misses an easy tackle? I feel you on that, but you know who the king is of missed tackles? One Kareem Jackson, for what it's worth. Um, so that's something, you know, what did Vic Fangio call it, Zach? Tackling? Non-negotiable. Turns out it was negotiable, right? <laughs> Turns out it was a it was a fungible uh, uh, requisite, so to speak. So it was dying by inches. But the thing <laughs> is, with with coaching, good coaching, and Christian Parker is one of the best secondary coaches in the NFL. You improve tackling, and also with repetition, him getting more game action. That's why Stearns has to play. If that's your biggest criticism of Caden, then he will clean that up by just being on the field. It's not a reason not to play him though, and go with a thirty five year old dinosaur relatively speaking, in KJ. The other thing to remember about Kareem, even though, like I said, I, I still th will be uh, expecting him to start, but we'll see what happens. But he was uh, – we laugh about PFF grades and whatnot, all right? They are oftentimes arbitrary. But um, he was, for whatever that's worth, the 52nd-ranked safety in the NFL last year, according to PFF's grading system. So, Sam Bam. Thanks, bro. Number two tonight, you are Prince. So the Jets will likely start off one and five. Their first six games are rough, including the Broncos. Uh, wouldn't surprise me one bit, Zach. I have it pulled up right now. You intrigued me, and uh, you never told any lies, Sam, because they start off against Buffalo, and they play the Cowboys and the Patriots and then Kansas City and then the Broncos and then the Eagles before their bye week. <laughs> that is a pretty <laughs> tough start to their year and oh man Aaron Rodgers or not that defense or not I don't know about one in five but they're going to struggle I think to get to 500 talk about the refiners fire right out of the gates man they're gonna they're, get, they're getting it put to them so interesting stuff thank you Sam um we have also here uh Brent P jumping in with just such a generous super chat thank you Brent top rope thank you Brent wow two nights in a row so thank you, Big Dog. He says, evening, Chad and Zach. I don't trust VJ to shut down top teams, but with Sean Payton, do you think VJ does better than he did in Arizona? MHH for life. Again, thank you, Brent. Dude, seriously, 
means the world to us. Um, some refresher here on VJ in Arizona. Well, VJ is a defensive coordinator. What was he in uh, Miami, Zach? He finished with the t- mid 20s ranked defense. I think it was 28. The Broncos still hired him because they had their mind on, you know, they wanted to hire him first as defensive coordinator under Gary Kubiak, but the Bengals blocked him, wouldn't let him leave as a secondary coach, which was really lame because in in the NFL, man, it's just it's just the way it, it how are you gonna expect coaches to ever want to come to Cincinnati when you won't let a position coach higher up granted outside your team, but for a promotion. Either way, they said no. So he eventually ends up in Miami, as Zach said, low twenties as a coordinator for that defense. Then you cut to his time in Arizona. That first year was it the first year, Zach, or the second year? The highest the Cardinals ranked as a defense, total defense, was eleventh one year. So he got within sniffing distance of top ten. He had one other decently ranked season. I want to say it was like thirteenth off the top of my head. And then from there, it kind of started going south. So with that, Zach, being the stage set, what's your answer here for Brent? Yeah, he's never been a top five or top 10 DC, and that's why I pushed so hard. You mentioned other names that were candidates for the job. That's why I wanted Rex Ryan, because say what you want about his personality, the man knows how to coach a defense. And I was salivating thinking what he can do uh, with this group of players. The thing is, though, this is why, again, coaching is so important and the Sean Payton hire was so crucial. He will not let the defense slip. Even if VJ VJ's hard and he doesn't maximize the talent and they slip to, you know, 12th, 13th, the median for VJ, Sean will whip them back into shape. He's not going to call plays, but in New Orleans, that defense played hard every single game for Sean Payton. I'm not even talking about the Greg Williams bounty gate thing. I am talking hard fighting it all, leaving it all out there for 60 minutes every single Sunday. It's The opponent didn't matter. Nothing mattered. They all they gave their all. There's no quit in them. They had a bunch of dog in them. These are qualities, Chad. I bring it up because they haven't had that since Wade Phillips. And you can span three different defensive coaches now. They have not had that type of tenacity that someone like Sean Payton demands in his defense, even though it's on his side of the ball. So I do worry about VJ a little bit, but with Sean in town, you will not worry too much about, you know, finishing 20th overall, for example. In yards per game, in his one season as a defensive coordinator in Denver, Ajiro Evero finished top 10, seventh. Now, defenses usually get measured either in total yards um, or in points. So in yards, they finished uh, – Seventh, the Broncos under Evero. And then in points, let me find it here, points per game, uh, 14th. So just outside, you know, basically still in the top half of the league, though. Uh, for what it's worth, I only bring that up because it gives you context to, and I think to, to the VJ situation, and I think there's a little something to be said for Ajiro Evero, who, and this isn't to take anything away from him, but Vic Fangio had a nice little foundation laid for him. Uh, defensively, both with the personnel that was acquired to fit that scheme. And then also just, I mean, Beck Fangio's defense in Denver did have some warts, uh, but it was definitely not the problem. It was the tip of the spear, unfortunately. That's what it was for Denver while he was here. And it's hard to know at this stage, Zach, how much of Ajiro Evero's success last year was based on some of the vestiges of what Fangio and George Payton and Elway a little bit too had built or if it was the sweat off his own brow, I'm a little bit more inclined to think it was the latter, sweat off his own brow, because 
they did finish second on third down and seventh in the red zone. So that takes a that takes some tactical wherewithal, right? On not only in your game prep and your game planning, but calling the right things on in the moment in when the chips are down in these games. Mike, love you, bro. Thank you, Michael, as always. What gives me comfort about VJ to an extent that if he bombs, Sean Payton's calling the shots. And I think if the one-year audition, let's say, doesn't go well, I don't think Peyton would have any problem replacing VJ and picking another defensive coordinator. And we know the Waltons and the Penners have no issue swallowing that contract, eating that money, if Sean Payton determines that's the way to go. So it's a win-win situation. Either VJ steps it up and they field a top-10 defense, which talent alone, Chad, say what you want about VJ. They are a top-10 unit on paper on talent alone. And if he doesn't, if they slip, if they're the reason why in a bizarro universe, the defense is is the reason why they're losing and not the offense, I don't think Sean would have any qualms about replacing him after one season. Phil asking, do you think the Broncos are going to keep five? I think he means to say inside linebackers this year. Um, Usually, Zach, the roster math shakes out depending on the special teams, division of labor, et cetera. Usually they keep they, – they go heavy on edge and somewhat lighter on inside yeah. linebacker, just depending on the year, but more often than not. So usually they carry four. Could they carry five this year? Because you've got Josie Jewell, Alex Singleton reprising their role as starters, you know, to end the season anyway. You've got, of course, third-round pick, uh, highest-drafted linebacker since DJ Williams in Denver anyway, Drew Sanders. You've got Jonas Griffith, who I'm not ready to throw in the towel on him. He's, he showed me enough that – and with that injury last year, I still think there's some some there there. And even Justin Sternod, trying to think who else uh, I can pull up the roster, but your answer for Phil. I think Ray Wilborn is in there, some bottom of the roster um, inside linebacker. Five would be the maximum, and that fifth spot would probably go to Sternod, if only for his special teams prowess, but – I'm okay going light. You know, you have fairly, except for Chul, fairly reliable players uh, at inside linebacker. I'm really excited about Drew Sanders, and Jonas Griffith is pretty good against the pass. So I'm going to guess they keep four, and they cut it after uh, Jonas. Concur. Concur. Um, If that's how it shakes out, though, Justin Sternod might not survive his, uh, his contract year, right? This is his fourth year. I don't know how he's still here. I'm I'm kind of surprised by that. I am a t- I am too a little bit, man. And he had his opportunities. He had his opportunities. Um, it just doesn't seem like we've seen him that much because he missed his whole rookie year with that wrist injury that he suffered in training camp. Then when he was turned to the second year, he actually showed some flashes. But when they needed him last year, oh my goodness gracious, he was atrocious. So. Uh, for what that's worth. Uh, Keith saying, and it's good to see you, Keith Brugman, in the house. My concern for the defense is opponents need to put points. My concern for the defense is opponents didn't need to put up points uh, last year. Hopefully this year is different. Is that quickly your reaction? Well, they've always tried to score. I mean, teams didn't take offenses didn't slow up because they were facing the Broncos offense. The defense has to get credit too, because a zero ever like you mentioned, Chad, for a first time coordinator, new system, new team, this and that, he did really good with the pieces that he had. And even by the end of the year, missing half his team on IR, it seemed like they were still fighting. So I'm not too worried. Like I said yesterday, it's a sliding scale. If the defense drops down, let's say to top 11, but the offense comes up to top 12, that's a playoff formula right there. 
Gary Palmer, last one, guys, and then we are going to dip on out of here. Love to see you, as always. Second super tonight. He's saying, Zach, you hit it on the head. Thank you, Gary. I try. Uh, Orange Bucky, good to see you, by the way, on YouTube, my friend. So shout out from San Antonio. I'll be attending the Broncos-Packers game. Dope. We'll see you there week set, uh, week. Is it week seven? Mm-hmm. Or week eight? Week Either seven. way, October 22nd, week seven, Broncos-Packers, MHH meet and greet. It's going to be dope. We're going to go, but don't leave quite yet. We got a couple messages for you. That was another fantastic installment of the MHH podcast. If you're not doing so, follow us on Twitter at the MHH pod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at Mile High Huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL, and Scott at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some Buckham merch or anything else in our store, check out MHHmerch.com. If you're on Facebook, check us out at Facebook.com slash Mile High Huddle Pod. Be sure you're liking that page and following that page. If you're on Instagram, Follow us at mile underscore high underscore huddle. And if you're on Apple podcast, be sure you're leaving your football priest, a five-star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single month. But if anything, please subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. That it does, baby. That it does. Much love and respect to these great super chat superstars. Tonight, Brent P., Najal Toff, Gary Palmer, Sam Bam, Divine Breaks, Troy Boer, uh, David Kilgore, OG, David McElrath, OG. Much love and respect. And on Facebook, thank you for the star supporters. Mike Ronquillo, Phil McLaughlin, Miguel Santistevan, Lawrence Rivera. We're uh, off for the next couple of days, but don't forget, tomorrow morning you got Broncos for breakfast. You got Building the Broncos Tuesday night on Wednesday you got Mile High Insiders, and then we're back uh, Thursday night, along with uh, Broncos for Breakfast. But Thursday night, we have our next installment of a Superstar segment. You'll have to wait and see who that is, but we look forward to, uh, to that. So it'll be fun. Have a great start to your week, everybody. Much love. An OTA start tomorrow, so we'll have plenty to break down on Thursday evening. Have a great start to your week. As Chad said, though, take care, and as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.